Hello and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of Daisy Vineyard Church. This week, enjoy the podcast as truth is revealed in God's Word. Go get a notebook, grab a Bible, and expect to have an encounter with God today. All right. Well, I I am in a interesting moment once again. This happened once before. I had... Uh, those who know me, if you're here for the very first time, then you, you won't understand this necessarily. But, but uh, uh, I I always have my message ready, you know, by midweek, and I've gone on gone over it a number of times. And and uh, uh, last night when we were here at Sacred Space, I just kept getting the sense that that the topic was correct, but the message was not the message, and so I've been praying about that, and, and uh, really have, really have a, a pretty strong sense that, that that's correct, and, and he's, during worship, he gave me a few things uh, that uh, we, can, we can still talk about here today, so I'm, I'm rarely at a, uh, a lack of words, so you don't have to worry about that part, uh, I'll, he, he'll give me something, so... Um, the first thing, the first thing I want to do is is Mike and Crystal. Uh, the Lord's really been highlighting you guys for me, and and um, I've I've been in tears a couple of different times. Um, I don't know, I don't know exactly what it's about, but the sense I got uh, was the Lord wanted you to know how much He loves you, and He sees you, and He's with you, and whatever's going on, if there's something going on, or maybe there's not, maybe he just wants you to know that, you know, how much he, how much he loves you guys. So, so I just wanted to let, let you know that. So last week, um, Pastor John uh, talked about owning the mission in the way of giving. And uh, we've, been, we've been active. Uh, let's, let's bring this up on the stage so everybody can see it. We've been actively teaching on our permeating values. We have one over there as well. And we're on number four, owning the mission, and we've talked about it for quite a few weeks since the beginning of the year, and uh, we're going to keep talking about it until God tells us to stop talking about it. (laughs) You know, know, we never stop owning the mission. I mean, it's something we're going to do the rest of our lives. So, uh, but last week, Pastor John... uh, uh, gave a great message about owning owning the mission in terms of of giving, and uh, he he kind of took the the gambit of you know talking about the the uh, way that the way that uh, money can deceive us and and the dangers of money uh, all the way to you know God God wants to bless us through money so money's money's just a thing you know it's not good or bad uh, it's it's all in what you do with. The money, and so, uh, so I knew this week that that I was going to continue the teaching that uh, John had started and talk about talk a little bit more about giving and and then talk about uh, giving in terms of tithing. And like I said, I've, I've got this amazing message, and and Drake, we're not going to do the the PowerPoint. I put this incredible PowerPoint together with all kinds of cool stuff, but uh, well, I guess we're not, we're not going to use that today. So, so, um, so here we go. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, why do we teach on giving? 
Uh, giving's one of those those topics that that uh, you know when when a pastor gets up to talk about giving, you know, it, it, in most cases it's sort of a dread because you know there's it's one of those topics that people get offended about. And so I just wanted to talk about why do we talk about giving? Why do we teach on giving? Well, well number one, it's in the Bible. And it's in the Bible a lot. Do you know that, that, um, that money and things related to money, uh, there are over 2,000 scriptures relating to money and things related to money. That's more than, than faith and prayer combined. So I always say that, um, you know, when I came to know the Lord, I came to know the Lord uh, like a child, and, and I'm still kind of that way. Um, I, I'm just simple enough to believe what it says and do what it says and not really question it a whole lot. And, and so I figure if God puts something in the Bible once, it's important. If, it's, if he puts it in a couple times, it's more important. If he puts it in 2,000 times, it's really important, and we better get it, and we better get it figured out. So that's the first reason that, that we teach about uh, money. The second is that, uh, that we believe here at AZ Vineyard that we should teach the whole Word of God. So we shouldn't just pick and choose the, you know, happy, happy topics, and, you know, so everybody just feels good all the time. Uh, our job is to equip the body of Christ. And so, in order to equip the body of Christ, we've got to teach the whole Word of God. And, and if there's over 2,000 scriptures in there on money, it's hard to avoid them. I mean, it, it's hard to, you know, preach every week and not hit money at some point in time. So, <laughs> this is one of those, one of those times. So, the, the third is that, um, and, and this is something that God's been working with me on since about 2005. Uh, well, actually, 2002. Uh, 2001, we, uh, we helped a, a good friend of ours, my spiritual mentor, plant a church up in Washington State. And, uh, you know, we were, we were just... We hadn't been born again all that many years. Uh, for me, it had been about uh, six years. And, and I, I came along... Him because alongside him because I was a business guy, and I knew how to do business stuff. And he didn't know how to do business stuff, and so we got together, and I did all the business stuff, and he did the the preaching and all that kind of thing. And we were about six months into it, and and the uh, the Lord, I was in a prayer time with some guys, and the and the Lord uh, showed me a picture of me in an office next to him in, in, in a building. We didn't, we didn't even have a building. We were in a coffee shop at the time. And so when I got done, I was like, Lord, what was that all about? And, and I felt like the Lord say, you're supposed to be a pastor. And I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> sure, Lord. Come on. You know my background. You know all the stuff I've done. I haven't been to Bible college. I've been to seminary. You know, I don't hardly even know the word. You know, I'm, I'm brand new at this. You know, the, I mean, you, you know, that the, uh, the uh, Brent's, you know, you've got the wrong guy. <laughs> you know, I, you, 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 must have, you must have meant that vision for somebody else and it just happened to get into get to me 
And, and, and I heard, no, no, you're supposed to be a pastor. So when we got all done praying, uh, there were about five or six guys there. And I said, man, I had the weirdest thing happen. And I explained what had happened. And, and, they, uh, uh, and, and I told him, you know, I think you know, God's saying that he wants me to be a pastor. But I mean, that's just craziness. And, and they're all like, well, duh. You're supposed to be a pastor. We've known that for a long time. I'm like, really? Come on, you guys. So then I went to my spiritual mentor, uh, our senior pastor, and I, I told him the same thing. And, and uh, when I got all done, he said, well, duh, you're supposed to be a pastor. I've known that for a long time. And uh, you know, I've just been waiting for God to, to tell you. So, so that, was, that was that moment of calling. You know, and, and we all have moments of calling. It's different types of things that, that we get called to do. We don't all get called to be pastors. We don't all get called to be missionaries or evangelists or teachers or prophets. We, uh, we get called to do different things. We get called to, to go and, and preach the gospel. And we get called to go and make disciples. And we get called to go take care of the poor and the needy, and, and visit the prisoners, and, and the orphans, and widows, and all of that. So we're all called to, to do that. So um, right after, right after uh, you know, within probably weeks after, after that calling, then, you know, I was installed as, as an associate pastor, and, and we began praying about what do we, you know, what, what do we teach the body? And at that time, there were only about I don't know, maybe 30 of us at most. wasn't wasn't like it was a big body. And, and we were just meeting in a coffee shop. And then God blessed us with an amazing building at just a tiny, tiny cost. And, and there were lots of miraculous things that happened in that time. But we felt like the Lord was telling us to teach about finances. And, and not, not just teach about finances in a little way. Uh, he had us create a 12-week course two hours every week, uh, two different books to read, homework to do every week. I mean, this was, this was practically a college course. And, and, uh, and everybody had to go through it. So it wasn't, it wasn't like it was an optional course. This was, this was a required course. And, and we had, we had a couple of other courses that were like that too. And we, uh, uh, we, uh, so we started teaching this, and then the results from it were so phenomenal, people's lives began to change in such incredible ways. Uh, I mean, people, you know, people that were really struggling financially, all of a sudden, they, they weren't struggling anymore, and they were, they were abounding, and, and uh, we were seeing, you know, we were seeing miraculous types of things happening around uh, finances. So, uh, so somebody came to us and said, you know, you guys need to turn this into a book. And, and we did. Uh, we did that in 2005. Uh, it was uh, called God's Prosperity Plan. And, uh, and it went out, you know, all over, the, all over the country. And we got testimonies from all kinds of places. And, and then that kind of all just sat there for quite a few years. And within the last year, the Lord's been talking to me about uh, bringing, bringing that back out again. And so um, those, those who know me uh, know that I'm an author. I've got a number of books that I've written. And, and the next book that's coming out is, is called God's Financial Plan. Hopefully it'll be out uh, into this month, first part of April, somewhere in there. And so, so I... I really believe strongly in teaching about money so that people can benefit. And that's, that's, 
the last reason that we teach about money is so you can benefit, so you can get out of debt, so we can get out of debt, so everybody can be out of debt because, you know, if we're all out of debt, we can do a whole lot more for the kingdom, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if we're not having to pay the credit card companies and the, the auto loan companies, the banks, and then we've got money that we can use to build the kingdom. And so, so that's, that's the, the, the primary reason why we teach is so that everybody can be equipped uh, in this area. All right, so I'm going to take you to some scriptures. We're going to, we're going to hit uh, quite a few scripture here right, right in a row. So we're going to go to Genesis 14, verses uh, 17 through 20. And Drake, maybe you can pull that up on the screen. I'm going to be in the NIV, if you can pull up NIV. So Genesis 14, 18 through 20. I want to, I want to share a, a story with you. It, it's actually... Uh, I think maybe my favorite character in the Bible, and we're gonna we're gonna look at it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So Genesis fourteen seventeen through twenty in the NIV. After Abram returned, and Abram is the guy who became Abraham later. God changed his name. After Abram returned from defeating Kedorlaomer, Kedorlaomer. Yeah, that guy. Uh, And the kings allied with him. The king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheba. That is the king's valley. Then, this is my favorite guy, not that first guy. Uh, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of of God Most High. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, And praise be to God Most High who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So a couple of of quick things on this, and then we're going to look at this guy Melchizedek in in another set of scriptures in the New Testament. But it it says that Melchizedek was the king of Salem, and uh, Salem was was uh, another... Um, there, there's some terminology there. We'll, we'll get into that in a moment. But he brought out bread and wine. So does that remind you of anyone? Anyone, anyone. <laughs> bread and wine. Hmm. Yeah, so let's... Um, so he, so he <clears throat> has this... He, he's just... You know, he and his men have just come back from a battle... Uh, where his his nephew Lot and and their family and and all of their people had been captured, and so Abram and all of his men go and they fight the battle and they get him back and they get all this plunder. So all all of the you know they get all the the stuff that the the other army had. Plus they get Lot and all his family back, and so so now this this guy named Melchizedek comes out and meets him. With bread and wine, kind of an odd thing, you know. I mean, who who thinks of that? Who thinks you know? I'm just going to get some bread and wine and go out and and see if maybe I meet somebody out there, you know? No, you know. There, there's more to this more to this story, and we'll we'll get to it in a moment. And after this all happens, after Melchizedek blesses Abram, then 
Abram's response, his natural response to it, was to give him a tenth of the plunder, which we think of as a tithe. Tithe, the word tithe means a tenth part, or a tenth, or ten percent. And so, so he gives a tithe to Melchizedek. Now, this was uh, approximately 2100 BC, somewhere around in there, and the law, which included the tithe, didn't come in until uh, 655 years later. Okay, so this, this predates the law. So all the people out there that you read on the internet that say, oh, New Testament Christians don't have to tithe because it was part of the law and we're not under the law, this predates the law, okay? And, and I just want to tell you up front that, uh, that New Testament Christians don't have to tithe, okay? You know, I know a lot of pastors don't get up and say that. You know, that, that uh, you, some, of you, some of you may even at that moment have gone, what? A pastor says you don't have to tithe? No, we don't, we don't have to tithe. We're not required to tithe. It's a choice. It's a choice, and it's a choice with benefits, and we're going we're gonna to cover those in a moment. Okay, I want to go to uh, uh, Hebrews 7. So everybody go to Hebrews 7, uh, verses 1 through 17. I'm staying in the, in the NIV. So Hebrews 7, 1 through 17. I don't know if I'll go that far. We'll, we'll see. Uh, this Melchizedek, so now we're back to Melchizedek, was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. Okay, so, so this is the first thing that's really unusual because at that time, a king was a king and a priest was a priest. So kings were not priests and priests were not kings. So, so this is unusual. The second thing is, is that, that they really did a good job of chronicling the kings. Back then, uh, we, have, we have four books in the Bible, Chronicles and Judges, that, that goes through and, and shows the kings and what the kings did. And, you know, uh, and, and so they were very careful about that. And there's no mention in the historical record that we can find of this guy named Melchizedek. Like, doesn't, he doesn't appear as a king. So, let's go on. He met Abraham. Now, it's referring to Abraham now because now it's New Testament. God changed Abram's name to Abraham. So, he's, he's Abraham. Uh, God, he met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First... The name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Remember the bread and wine? King of righteousness. Just hang on to that one. Then also king of Salem means king of peace. So we got the king of righteousness and the king of peace, bread and wine. Verse 3, without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Later on in the scripture, it actually talks about Jesus uh, being a priest in the, in the way of Melchizedek, not Levi. Le- Levi was where all the priests were. That, that was the lineage of priests. And, and Jesus was born uh, in, the, in the lineage of Judah, 
not Levi. So, so now this Melchizedek, they're, they're compared. And, and we see this without father or mother or ge- without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. My belief is, based on studying this, and, and there's a lot of theologians out there, and I don't claim to be a theologian by any means, but, but other guys who are a lot smarter than me uh, believe this was a pre-incarnate Jesus. This was Jesus coming temporarily in, in, in a flesh-looking body to meet Abram and to bless Abram. And so, so if we look at it in that way, if we now see you know, the, the, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords goes and meets Abram and his natural response to it is to give a tenth. That was his response to it. Okay, so now we see the motivation for the tithe, not because it's under the law, not because we're, we have to give it, not because, you know, we're, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're going to get blessed because we give it, but because we're responding to divinity, we're responding to God. All right, I want to go, uh, I want to go now to uh, Malachi 3, 8 through 12, which is the tithing scripture everybody goes to, uh, but the reason I want to go to it is because uh, tithing has some really incredible benefits that come along with it. And, and so, so uh, Malachi 3, 8 through 12, it also has, has a warning here. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, verse 8, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, tithes and offerings. So Pastor John talked about offerings last week, talked about giving last week. Uh, God expects both. He expects both tithes and offerings from us. Uh, verse 9, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Okay, this, this is the one that we have to keep in mind that this, this was God speaking to the Israelites at that time. This was pre-Jesus. And, and we believe that Jesus took the curses to the cross. So this, this curse does not apply to us. This is not something that we have to be concerned about here, which is, is why we don't have to tithe. We can choose to tithe. So um, that said, as we get into this further, we're going to see some benefits. And... So the consequence, there's no curse that comes along with not tithing, but the consequences of not tithing are that you don't get the blessings either. Okay, so, so we have a choice. We can choose to tithe or not to tithe. That's totally up to us. God's not going to, he's not going to feel bad about you. He's not going to be mad at you. It has nothing to do with our salvation. Uh, it, it totally has to do with our opportunity to say, God, I trust you in my finances. I put you first. I'm, I make you Lord. You know, we, we talk about Jesus being Lord, but is he really? Is he really Lord? Because if he's Lord, then we would do what he says to do. And, and you know, this is one of those things. So let's go on and let's look at these benefits. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, back then, they actually had a storehouse. Uh, it was attached to the temple because people were bringing animals. They were bringing fruit and vegetables. 
And as a pastor, I've always been really thankful that we don't do that anymore. Right, John? Right, Sandy? I mean, you know, we don't have people bringing cows in here and, you know, chickens and all kinds, you know, or, you know, all kinds of grain and fruit and stuff. Well, the fruit would be okay. You can bring fruit if you, if you want to. That'd be, that'd be all right. We'll, we'll take fruit. Um, but we don't do that anymore. We, we bring money. We bring money. But the storehouse is the same and the reasons are the same. So back then, they brought in their tithe of animals, the first fruits of animals, fruits and vegetables. They brought that into the storehouse. And then that was used to do a number of things. It was used to, they would sell some of it so they had funds to be able to take care of the temple. They had uh, food there for the priests. And then they had extra for the poor. It's, it's the same reason today. We tithe for exactly the same reason. We, we tithe to bring money into the storehouse so that we can have this, so that we can you know, pay the mortgage on this building, we can pay the electricity, we can pay for the heat or, or air conditioning, uh, and we can take care of it and make sure that it's in good shape. When new people come in, they feel good, they feel comfortable here. Uh, it's also used to take care of the pastors and the staff. It's, it's also used to take care of the poor. So the reasons are exactly the same, and you bring it to the same place. All right, let's continue on. This, this is the part I really love. All right. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Test me in this. This is the only place I've ever found in the Bible, and if you've found someplace else where God says, test me, let me know. But this is the only place in the Bible I have found that where God says, test me in this. In other words, what he's saying is, come on, you guys, just try me. Just see what I'm going to do. You know, just, just bring your whole tithe in and, and, and let me show you what I can do. And then he goes on to tell what he's going to do. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Wow. Now, I was, uh, I've shared this before here, so this, this may be a repeat for some, but a number of years ago, I was meditating on this scripture, and I, I felt like the, the Lord uh, told me, you know, Rod, these are the same floodgates that I used to flood the earth. That was a lot of water to flood the earth. Covered the whole earth. Covered all the mountains, everything. Same floodgates that he's using to pour out this blessing to us. And, and it says that uh, there'll be so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And I keep telling God I've got lots of room in my bank account. And, and if that one gets filled up, I can get another one. Yeah, so, you know, and, and we're, all in, we're all in the same boat there. All right, then let's go on to 11. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines of your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Now, obviously, this was an agricultural society, so he's, he's, he's using the example that they would understand. Uh, for us today, it's, it's different because, you know, we don't, we don't have crops, most of us. Uh, we don't have, uh, you know, uh, fruit, fruit, and, and at least not that we're bringing in as a tithe. And so what he's talking about now for us is that he's going to stop the devourer, which would be Satan, from getting to the other 90% that that we have left over. So what it means is that the 90% is going to go further 
than the 100% would have gone if we had kept it and not tithed. And, and Karen, Karen, my wife up front, she and I experienced this. When we first began to hear about tithing, uh, we, were in, we were in a bad place financially. We were deeply in debt. We were having trouble making payments. Uh, there was just no way. I mean, we, we couldn't afford to tithe was what we kept saying. Some of you may be able to relate to that. And, and we kept having people tell us, you can't afford not to tithe. A lot of what's going on with you right now is because you're not tithing. And we were, and we were like, ah, oh, I don't know. You know, we kept battling over it back and forth, trying to, trying to figure it out. And finally we decided, okay, this is it. We're just going to test God in this and see if he really does this. And so we got paid. And this was back in the day when you wrote checks and you didn't have all the electronic stuff we have now. We wrote that first check. We wrote it to the church. And then we trusted God for all the rest, for the rest of our bills and all of that. And at the end of the month, we looked at it, and not only did the bills get paid, but there was money left over. We were like, whoa, how did that happen? We never have money left over, and nothing had changed. Our bills didn't change, our income didn't change, and we had money left over. And we were trying to figure it out. We were going through everything, thinking, oh, you know, we must have done something wrong in here. And, and we finally got to the point where it was like, okay, God's ways are higher than our ways. We're just going to give up trying to figure this thing out and just say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Thank you for doing this. And since that point in time, we have been faithful tithers ever since. We've never lacked. We've had some really difficult financial times, but we've never lacked. Uh, and we've always had more than enough. Always. We've never gotten to the point where we didn't have more than enough. And so this is, this is so true. The other thing that used to happen a lot before we tithed was we would have stuff that was breaking down all the time. I mean, just constantly stuff breaking down. And, and it was, you know, we're replacing things and fixing things. And then we began tithing. And it's not that nothing ever breaks down, but it doesn't break down nearly as much as it used to. Things last a lot longer. Our appliances, our, our, our clothes, everything lasts a lot longer. Yeah, cars, I mean, everything just seems to last a lot longer. So I believe that it's part of that blessing uh, that God, God brings to us. And then the third blessing is in number 12, and that's, uh, then all the nations will call you blessed. How would you like all the nations in the world to call you blessed? I mean, that's pretty amazing. I mean, they already do that because we live in the United States. A lot of them, you know, they say you're blessed because you live here. And we are. We are. We're abundantly blessed. I mean, we're, you know, even, even the minimum wage person here in the United States is making way more than most people in the world. So, so we're very blessed. We're, we're wealthy compared to most people in the world. But I love that. And then it says, uh, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Okay, I want to hit uh, Matthew uh, 23.3 really quick here. Matthew 23.23, because everybody always says tithing is not in the New Testament, so we don't have to tithe anymore. And and this is Jesus talking, and Jesus is reprimanding the Pharisees in this. So we always get caught up in that. We get caught up in the reprimand, and we, we miss out on what Jesus is really saying. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. So he's making fun of them, you know, that they're tithing on the little 
Uh, but that was, that was it. I mean, that was their whole idea was, their whole idea was, you know, we're going to follow the law exactly. We're going to tithe right down to the, the mint, dill, and cumin, which is really small, small spices. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter. In other words, you should continue to tithe, but not at expense of the former, so his his um, his his warning to them doesn't have to do with the tithing; it has to do with what they're not doing. And so he's telling them, continue to do that, but do the other as well: justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And then let's go to First Corinthians sixteen two. And uh, this, is, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking to the church at Corinth. He's talking to him about an offering that's being collected. And he says in verse 2, On the first day of every week, which would have been Sunday, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Sounds an awful lot like a tithe to me. Saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. And the reality is, is that, you know, according to, according to George Barna Research, uh, if you're familiar with George Barna, they're, they're a, a Christian research company. They do a lot of, a lot of research on uh, topics uh, having to do with churches and Christianity. And according to their research, only 10% of Christians tithe. 10%. Do you know that if all Christians just did that, if they just tithe, no one would ever have to take offerings. There'd be no reason for it. Because the tithe would cover everything, everything that needs to be done. We could solve world hunger. Uh, we could solve uh, water, you know, clean water issues. We could uh, solve sex trafficking. We could solve everything with the money just from the tithe. And, and, and then we're supposed to give offerings on top of that. So then there would be more than enough, more than enough to do everything that the Lord wants us to do. All right, so I want to wrap this up by talking about why, why do we tithe? Why do we tithe? And I want to tell a little a story that I heard a number of years ago. Uh, and, and I don't remember where this was, but there was a group of Christians in a country where it wasn't illegal to be a Christian, but it was really frowned upon. In other words, it, you know, you, 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 weren't, you didn't have big churches like we have here in the United States. It was more of an underground type of church. And, uh, and, and the, the way that the government there had found to control the Christians was to tell them that they couldn't give more than 2%. And so this group of Christians were going to court fighting the government to get the right to tithe. Now, this was a a poor country. Christians weren't looked upon favorably, and they're fighting in court to get the right to tithe. And then we have the United States, where we're wealthy. We have full freedom, and we're trying to find all kinds of reasons not to tithe. It's sad. It, it, it's a sad thing. So why do we tithe? 
We tithe, number one, because God tells us to. He tells us to. Number two, it shows what I said earlier, that we're trusting God as our provider. We're not trusting our company that we work for. We're not trusting our business. We're not trusting Social Security. We're not trusting, you know, your, your uh, investment portfolio. Uh, you're not trusting real estate. You're trusting God as provider. And when we tithe, we say, I trust you, God. I trust you that you're going to provide. And last is that uh, what we've found and what, what many, many other people out there have found is it opens the door into God's financial plan. It, it's like a door opener. It, it's like when you begin to tithe, you, you open a door and all of a sudden now you have access to things you didn't have access to, to before. And then when you go by above and beyond the tithe and you give beyond that, then that's, that's when you start to see even, you know, more overwhelming blessings. And so, so, you know, once we look at we look at all these blessings that are offered to us. We look at all the reasons why we should tithe. I think the question really shouldn't be, why should we tithe? It should be, why shouldn't we tithe? So let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that we have the freedom to be able to gather here, to worship you, to fellowship together, to share your word, to pray for each other. Lord, we thank you that we have your word that teaches us what you want us to know. And I pray, Lord, that this seed that was planted here today, Lord, you had a, a different idea in the way that you wanted to do this today. And, and I, I hope you were honored by that and glorified by that. Uh, and Lord, I pray for the seed that went out, uh, that, that it got planted in fertile ground uh, that uh, the enemy will not be able to steal it away, that that seed about tithing and about giving uh, will grow into a wonderful harvest in everyone's lives. Lord, we know that you want to prosper us in all aspects of our life, not just finances, and that that's part of your plan for our life, Lord. And so, so I pray that this will result in an amazing harvest in people's lives and that they will take it and run with it. Those that aren't tithing will begin tithing. Those that are tithing uh, will begin giving above the tithe. Uh, those that are, are tithing and giving will continue to advance their giving because we know that literally we cannot outgive you, Lord, that you will always bring back more than what we give. And so we thank you for that, Lord. I pray blessing over all that are here in their finances, particularly those that are struggling right now in their finances, Lord. I pray that you'll give them wisdom as you did Karen and I a number of years ago and you helped us to get out of massive debt and to be able to stay debt-free. And I pray the same for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to AZ Vineyard Church's podcast. We're located in Goodyear, Arizona. To learn more about our church, visit our website, azvineyard.com. That's A-Z-V-I-N-E-Y-A-R-D.com. 